Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of this week's episode, Days of Red Stars Past, all about the Benedictine. In this episode, we're going to discuss a Boston Breakers game from August of 2014, and then we're going to talk to one more very special guest about their time in Lyle, Illinois. Enjoy. Before we get into this, uh, I will say it is the, the Boston Breakers game that took place on August 15th, 2014. So a number of things and changes specifically have occurred for the on the Red Star side right. of things. Yeah. Heading into this game, you're talking about um, at this point, um, you have one Miss Kirsten Press who is fully immersed in the mm-hmm. Red Star squad already at this point. You're talking about, what, 11 games, um, 10 complete games with the team. And at this point, she's already got four goals, yeah. you know, yeah. for, for the team. So uh, you've got her, you've got Tancredi, who's obviously clearly already got some games in her belt. Uh, Ursig is, is going to be involved in this game as well. And, um, you know, just piggybacking off of what we said about certain players, like, you know, we see a player like Julian Sitch um, and Bywater sort of kind of outside looking in, you right. know, with sort of these adjustments that are happening, you know, to the roster for, for the Red Stars. Um, so the Red Stars, uh, played this game against Boston. They end up winning two zero mm-hmm. and, um, we'll get into these, to these lineups, uh, officially here for, I'll, I'll start with the uh, Boston, uh, familiar face and name. They had a listen there and net for the Boston yep. Breakers. Yep. Uh, Bianca Sierra, Julie King, Kat Whitehill, Rachel Wood, Maddie Evans, uh, Chelsea Stewart, Joanna Loman, uh, Bianca Agostino, Leanne Sanderson and Heather O'Reilly, AKA yep. Heyo arrive as the Boston Breakers and the visitors to Lyle, Illinois and Benedictine mm-hmm. University to take on the Red Stars in this August. And the Red Stars who lined up as followed with Karina LeBlanc in that. Taryn Hemmings is back on yep. the back line. Julie Johnson, Abby Ursic, uh, Michelle Wenino, Jackie Arena, Lloyd Klubney, Vanessa DiBernardo, Melissa Tancredi, and Kristen Price round out the 11. And I gotta say, Claire, looking at both those starting lineups, in particular the Red Stars, I looked at that lineup and I went, damn son, that's a decent lineup right there for it's the Red not, Stars. Right, it's much better. It's much improved. Um, yeah, like the little pieces, like you've got Ursag and Johnston in the back. <laughs> um, you've got Press up top. Man, I was Kristen Press. It's amazing to me just how young she looks in this game. Um, oh my God. Oh, they're all infants, man. They're yeah. All- <laughs> like Kristen Press is still Even Abby Ursig, you're like, who are you? Yeah, right. For real. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's crazy. And you're, and you are like, yeah, so it's really interesting. And we're probably going to talk about 2015 next time, how you've got that, this little, little group. And then, you know, next year they're going to add Aaron Gilliland, Danny Colaprico, and Sophia Huerta. And you're like, oh, so like all of this, the vision is coming into place now um, where you can see exactly where this is going. Um, And yeah, I mean, the Breakers, I loved watching this game. The poor, the poor, poor Boston Breakers, like they had such a specific style of of <laughs> moments of pure disaster like yeah, they weren't rough. even that bad and in fact there were moments where the breakers were really on the front foot but the yeah. two goals that chicago scored were just dire defending um from yep. the, from boston and also Alyssa Nair was standing on her dang head the whole game yeah um, they made her work man they really did that boston yeah. breakers defense man was a sight to see um yep. And and so I'm I'm glad yeah I was like I I don't I it's it's weird to say that I miss it but oh the breakers were special um yeah they were they were a special special team, they were special and it was so squad. wild to hear some of the the build up into this game like hearing right. it on the 
broadcast. We've got a different broadcast team, Lisa Byington and Chris King, who was at the time actually the Red Stars reserve coach on this call. And like hearing some of the the background, I mean, we hear that, uh, you know, Lisa Nair is coming into this particular match as the player of the week because she got so many stops Mm -hmm. and so many saves in the prior week before. And you're like, yes, because the breakers had not good defense. Not good defense. (laughs) Constantly having, yes, in this particular era, she was constantly having those types of games yep. for a listener, right? Um, it's like sort of made her to who she is today, really. right? Yeah, it was just going um, through so the gauntlet. So it was so funny. Yeah, it was so funny to hear that on on the background. Um, so yeah, rip peace to to that era and the Breakers mm-hmm. right. and the Red Stars. Also, we were getting on background in my notes. I was like, Chicago Red Stars feeling flirty with the playoffs. Right. Eyes on the playoffs. Yeah. What up? There's all that discussion because again, we're we're later into the season. And for people who don't realize August is basically the end of the season in this right. era of FWSL. Yep. I know we're like in August and they it's supposedly play that this many games. We're supposed to be in November, but they just didn't right. play that many games yeah. uh, back in the day. So the red stars were coming into this game with, uh, you know, the opportunity to win out, right. And go to the playoffs. So that's kind of cool vibe. Like your, your destiny is in, is in your control. And you see how that happens. Yeah. Uh, they were supposed to win out against Boston and then have their final game hopefully come away with a win and they could uh, potentially be in uh, that fourth place uh, slot. Right. And seeing that lineup, right, knowing who the breakers were, you kind of thought, all right, they can maybe get the, the, the job done. And they did. They, they go ahead and they line up. Yeah. And right off the jump, off this first whistle, you see, like, some really great – connecting play yeah. with the Red Stars. You right. have Press and Tancredi specifically in combination with like Lori Kolupny and Vanessa mm-hmm. Lee Bernardo doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. I have Press and Tank- Tancredi out here doing shit, skill yeah. and muscle. Like that's really what yeah. it was. Right. You had this yeah. weird combination, like this weird duo of like skill and strength. And it was yeah. like, look at these guys. Yeah. Like I mean, that looks kind of cool. The way, the way I described it before we started recording was like, this was the first game where I was like, oh, this is soccer. Um, yeah. <laughs> they started to look like a soccer team. Yeah. I was like, okay, we're like getting there. This is a soccer game. Um, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. The old NWSL um, kind of figuring out just the waves, the talent, like the, the staggered infusion of talent. Cause you have the very beginning of the league. Everyone kind of gets what they get. Right. And then, halfway through that season you have players some players coming back from europe at the beginning of 2014 you have a strong draft that's another infusion of talent halfway through 2014 though that legendary um terezo team in sweden that had krieger and harris and klingenberg and angen and press all of those players come back and it's like oh this is really finally starting to like happen now um, and so, yeah, this, this game, this game was almost, it was interesting. Cause like it, it was in my brain registered it as a little bit less exciting than the previous one, only because the soccer was like better and more normal. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, this is like a normal soccer game. Yeah. It started to feel familiar, you know, and like taking, like battling on the, like poorless nair man, right. battling on these waves of like, Right. Red Stars attacks and like 10, 15 minutes in, like at one point she has possession of the ball. She's just like, fuck this. And yeah. like yeets this ball uh, out. Like she just quarterbacks it. I got it in here like she's Tom Brady. 
and he's just like, I need a break. I'm yep. just going to chuck this ball out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was great to see it. It was, you had this, this really cool attack that we were starting to see uh, take place. And then we saw maybe a little bit of, you know, maybe some lapses, you know, there was at one point at the Ersic, almost had an own goal mm-hmm. uh, in this game. And uh, we're starting to hear on background that, you know, this time of the season that Lori Klopney is dealing with some back issues. Right. Uh, but for whatever reason, she still looks like amazing on right. the pitch. Yeah. Like she's playing her ass off with a yeah. bad back. And it's just like so wild and unreal yeah. to see that occurring and taking place on this pitch. I mean, she's just like going at it and you're like, if I have a bad back, I'm going to lay down for the rest of the day. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's, right. it's wild to see. Um, um, yeah, and, and it, the, the tempo of the game is really interesting, too, because Chicago's clearly better than Boston, um, but they aren't quite, you understand, I mean, you know, like, this this is the moment before, they have kind of a crazy game after this one, yeah. they have, like, a 3-3 tie, I think, with mm-hmm. Western New York, like, they have kind of a kooky, crazy game at the end of the season, and they don't make the playoffs, and you yeah. can kind of understand why, it's like, they, they have the talent, but they can't yeah. control things quite yeah. as well Not as clinical. they needed to, yeah. right, yeah. I like that, uh, in my notes, uh, I, <laughs> I make note that we have a polo version of Rory Dames mm-hmm. in this uh, game, but for the coaches' fashion, I'm like, oh, polo, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I also note that there's some fun uh, music selections. We hear Cha Cha Slide at one point. We got to see the local one three four on the on the stream there and hear them, and we're yeah. just like, oh, look at that good stuff. They're participating in that. I love yep. it. Mm-hmm. Good, good stuff. Uh, then there's this one particular chance uh, that takes place in like the just prior to the goal happening. Right. Because the goal for me, the goal, the first goal that the Red Stars get, you know, happens because of this chance that's created right. by Kristen Press. So yep. Kristen Press gets a ball and she she hits poor. Oh, my God. Poor Mexicans. She hits <laughs> Bianca. <laughs> she is Bianca Sierra with this wicked crossover, uh-huh. man. Yeah. Uh, and like switches, uh, you know, switches feet, goes lefty righty. And hits this ball and puts it on a curler, man, and forces the listener to make a save and get a hand on it. And it gets tipped over the bar, and the Red Stars uh, get a corner kick due to this this chance on goal that Kristen Press creates. And uh, after you know the corner takes place, you got a, what I have in my notes as a three headed goal mm-hmm. that happens in the 29th minute. So there's a corner kick that happens. Di Bernardo gets to the flag. She serves it in. Jackie Santa Cantaria gets ahead on this. Julie Johnson gets ahead on this. And Alyssa Motz finally puts this ball away with her head on it. And mm-hmm. you got the Red Stars up 1-0 in the 29th minute. Yeah, just three completely unmarked players yeah. in front of Boston's goal. <laughs> just it was like, how did so many touches? With their heads. <laughs> how did so many touches? Yeah. How were so many touches allowed yeah. in the um, box on a set-piece corner? It was so like, oh, man. Yeah, it's... It's interesting to me that Vanessa DiBernardo doesn't take corner kicks anymore because her service, I mean, they even said, actually, I think they said in the Houston, no, it wasn't in this game. They said that Chicago hadn't scored off a corner in like, they did, they had this stat for how many corners they'd had without scoring before that one. So maybe DiBernardo had many games where the service was less good, but um, maybe, yeah, you know, they had like X X amount of corners and they hadn't scored on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because Chicago is like famously trash at scoring on corners. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I love that. In case you didn't know. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, it was cool. They got two corner goals uh, in this game, which is is it's is so wild, wild to think yeah. about now. Right. <laughs> it's so crazy to think about nowadays. It really, really is. Uh, again, once a goal happens, changes the tempo a little bit in the game. Yep. Uh, in my notes, I believe I at one point I have Maddie Evans has a tantrum, mm-hmm. uh, gets upset for the breaker. She gets upset at a call about something from the officials for the breakers side of thing, and she sort of chucks the ball out of bounds and i'm like today that would probably be a card yeah but it wasn't in 2014 yeah so that happened um but there was some there was some good stuff that we got to see in that first first half i like the dynamic that we saw uh even though like we we've spoke about this in particular in playing in in lyle and playing in benedictine the red stars had to really specifically adjust their play and playing in this type of complex right so yes it was constantly north and south and very very direct uh, but it was cool in this particular game to sort of just see some of the passing lines that were occurring and the movement on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really, really dope. And it was cool to see those sort of uh, the potential, right? The quote unquote potential that might have been yeah. between two players like Price and Tancredi, right? Right. With, and it with actually, Tuck, with, with yeah, I was no. going to say with the with Di Bernardo and, and Kolepni involved in that as well. Right. For sure. And it, it was interesting too, because um, speaking about Benedictine specifically, like, you could tell a little bit, and this is something that Seattle was famous for in Memorial, which is that Memorial was another stadium that had not very nice turf. Um, but the rain really kind of used that to their advantage a lot. Like the ball would move kind of weird, but they were used to it. So um, it almost became an advantage for them that they had kind of this weird field. And there are moments in this game, specifically there's one in the second half where uh, Julie Johnston just is trying to control the ball and then just like can't because it, it just like scoots away from her. And so she reacts. She's just like, well, okay. And then she yeah. just like <laughs> goes, she's like, oh, well, Benedictine says we're going. So we're going. Yeah. And so yeah. she takes the ball all the way to Boston's end line. And it was literally a play sprung by how odd that field was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you could just tell that the team was getting better at playing on it. Um, and, and using that to their advantage a little bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, no I rain that delay in cool. this one, but right. still a lot of turf monster. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's an iconic sure. moment at the end of this game, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll get there. I mean, that took us in that to halftime for the most yep. part. Right. Uh, when they opened, when they opened up in halftime, we saw a really cool shot of Supernova, the old school Supernova. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Uh, Lori Kolebny went ahead and, and tried a shot from 30 yards out because why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Um, so still very. They they came out into the second half still still pretty active. Um, again, hitting that 60th minute, like most things in this era, you start maybe getting a little chippy during this time. Mm-hmm. Brass starts getting some chances, but again, just not too clinical in the finishing. Just weren't really putting it away. I think one of my notes really early in the second half is like, I honestly can't believe that Alyssa Mott's got a goal in this game and not a yellow. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just kind of like, how did that happen? But cool. Yeah. Uh, I also noted that uh Taryn Hemmings had her like ponytail dye bleeding mm-hmm. on her jersey yeah I was like this is cool Leon also like, this had again. a red she had like a little red bun too I don't know yes. what. I noticed that when she got actually. subbed in yeah it was so weird we were, and it's it's almost like she took a note right. from Hemmings yeah. like oh girl I see you bleeding I better put my hair up in this bun yeah exactly <laughs> it was yeah. like how about the sub in I better not look like that it was like pretty pretty funny yeah um yeah, uh, Kristen Press also gets in, tries a crazy shot from distance because why not? Nair saves it, you know. Um, there was a, a bit of a back and forth, yep. you know, that was going on. At, at one point, uh, you have – at one point, we have uh, 
I think it was, yeah, it was Heather O'Reilly who leads like a breakaway mm-hmm. at one point yeah. for, for Boston. And yeah. you're just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess this game isn't done. That's still possible. Yeah. And it happened. And I think it was a combination because the wrestlers definitely got beat on yeah. this counter and it was for off sure. of a set piece. Right. And uh, they, there was a little bit of aid in, I think, coming from the turf mm-hmm. at this point that allowed Michelle Winino to, the combination of that and Michelle Winino to like, get on the end of the coverage and make a recovery run and be able to sort of yeah, stomp right. out that, yeah. that possible, yep. that possible break. Uh, but the red stars being up a goal, right. After sort of trying to chase for a goal, but never getting that second one, we're deep into the second half. Yep. And I get to this point, this weird portion of the game where they kind of just start conceding all these corners to the mm-hmm. breakers. Yeah. And I'm like, could you all stop doing that please? Yeah. Cause Heather O'Reilly is still on this team. Right. Yeah. No, like it wasn't, it, again, Chicago just wasn't, they just weren't, you know, ruthless enough a little bit. Um, yeah. I also wanted to say, uh, in addition to having very nice, tall hair in this, in this game, Leanne Sanderson, actually, like she, she was very active. It was decent. Yeah. yeah. Top, yeah. top three for, for Boston on the day. Definitely. Yeah. Nair, Nair Hale and, and Sanderson for yep. sure. For yeah. I think is a general consensus for us, but uh, after conceding a, a number of corners to to Boston, the Red Stars finally get a second goal after mm-hmm. getting some really good lucks on on that. Uh, it comes off of a corner kick, the second corner kick goal of this match, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Uh, Vanessa Di Bernardo go ahead and you know serves in the ball, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a, in my notes I have that uh, Santa Catarina sacrifices herself <laughs> because she goes down yep. in the box with an yep. injury after sort of getting I, I, I don't know if it's just a body or a flick or what, uh, but she goes down in the ball and she eventually drops Tancredi, and Tancredi is the one who puts this goal away, and the Red Stars find themselves up two zero mm-hmm. uh, in this in this game deep 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 in the eighty second minute. So right. pretty much by by this point the Red Stars find themselves being able to just sort of lock it in, right? Yeah, right. And try to close out the game. And at one point, uh, Rory Dames makes a final late-time sub. Again, I guess just help call the clock for Van Eggman. Van Eggman mm-hmm. comes on for Tancredi. Yeah. So it was wild to see that, too. We're like, oh, that's right. Emily Van Eggman was a Red Star. That's right, yeah. <laughs> at one point. If you can believe um, it, yeah. If you can believe it, that happened. So we got to see her come on for a few minutes. And we had a lovely, lovely turf monster moment. Yeah, end out this game. Had Kristen something Press to say. Did, she did so much work in this game. Kristen yep. Press did so many things in this game, except not get a goal. And it was like really kind of indicative to like kind of maybe who Kristen Press was for the team. Right. Uh, sort of seeing her come into the Red Stars and forcing everyone to play soccer was kind yeah, of yeah, right. Definitely her calling card, and I will always appreciate her for that. So she does this like ridiculous work to sort of do you know produce a counter for the Red Stars, and then mm-hmm. feeds feeds Adriana Leon, who just <laughs> just, just falls down, yeah, swallowed just, up. Just there she goes. She has and an just open whips. goal. She's it's, in front it's so bad. She's in front of an open goal. It's I think it's possibly the worst miss in NWSL history. It's um, pretty bad, guys. She, it's pretty bad. She doesn't even get a foot on the ball. She 100% just falls on top of it. There's a she 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 has a teammate right next to her also ready to not fall and kick the ball in the goal and she falls in a fashion that she shields the ball from her teammate. And so, like, there's a Boston player on the on the <laughs> goal line is just like, okay, and then she kicks it away. It's incredible because yeah, because yeah. press 
press had done all of the work. She had drawn, <laughs> she had drawn Nair out. Nair was, was caught out in space. She had schooled the defender that she was getting away from, sent in a really well-weighted ball, and Benedictine said, not nope. today. <laughs> yeah, it was so good, man. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, what a great way to end this game on that type of blooper. Yeah. So, so good. Uh, yeah, and then the Red Stars, they did their job, man. They yeah. went in there. They got that win. My final note on this game is, yay, a win. Yeah. Hope is alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, what we now know as fact, uh, they went into the following week needing a win yeah. to get into the playoffs. They did not. Nope. In true Red Stars fashion, they ended their season on a 3-3 draw. Mm-hmm. So yep. uh, they did that not – I don't know if we're going to go back and and watch that one, but looking at the timeline, I think Chicago had two penalties somehow. Oh, yeah. I think Kristen Press definitely had a Kristen Press game in that game, if I'm recalling correctly. I could be wrong. I think Sam Carter also scored in that game. Yeah, it had a a wild, wild game. But they needed to win that game, and they didn't. And unfortunately, they did not make the playoffs that year. But it was something to definitely build on, right, for for 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, But – yeah, that's a. It was. I like that we chose these two games to yeah. uh, to recap and react to. I like that they were in two very specific parts of the season for this 2014 roster. Mm-hmm. You could definitely see and feel the difference in the type of soccer and the type of play that they were trying to put out there and how they were trying to look like for the team moving forward. And uh, I know you and I are excited to have some additional conversations about. Yeah. Maybe not so much the game in general, but specifically Lyle, Illinois and Benedictine University Sports Complex. Hello and welcome to a special guest portion edition of this episode. Claire and I are now joined with our other mutual friend, homie and colleague, John D. Howard. How you doing today, John? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy the, to hear you guys. The Chicago outfit on the airwaves for the first this time. Is the, this is the Chicago outfit portion of the yeah. episode. It's mm-hmm. a first. We've been doing Southside Trap podcasts for a couple of years now. And this is the very first time we've ever had John on the show. And uh, we have a lot of fun on this show. And I just didn't know if this was the right space <laughs> for John. I just didn't know if he was going to be comfortable having fun. Mm, right. <laughs> Right. You'd hate, you'd hate for him to like perjure himself. Yeah. I would never, I would never want to do that to somebody I care about and respect ever, (laughs) but I'm glad he agreed to do this. We, uh, we're doing our Benedictine Lyle, Illinois episode. And, you know, we already had a portion where we had a a discussion and a nice chat with uh, Maggie Zubik of Chicago Local 134. So she sort of gave us the supporter uh, culture's uh, aspect and perspective of it all. Uh, but John, you're the man. You uh, you've been there. You've got some. Uh, you were the trenches. You've got some war stories, and uh, we want to get your insight on that. Yeah, Claire and I uh, sort of went through some of these games already, kind of reacted to them uh, in the prior part of this episode, and uh, we wanted to get your insights on a couple of those games, but also just in general being there in Lyle, Illinois. So yeah, uh, John, to start, to start yeah. right? Oh, yeah, go for it. Uh, when did you start covering Red Stars, and just why? So I think the first time I started covering them in person was 2015. Um, I had written about the NWSL when I was writing for Bleacher Report, but um, I had this offer in 2015 to cover the World Cup, and I hadn't done a lot of games in person, and I thought, well, I better get some more experience before the World Cup comes along. So I started covering the Red Stars in person um, to get some of that experience, and then it ended up 
working out badly with FIFA. Yeah, you didn't actually go to the World Cup. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which was so terrible because I had somebody offering to pay for all of my flights and all of my hotels. (laughs) Catch John catch John in twenty nineteen, like getting his FIFA accreditation in like a year early because he was afraid. Yeah. So that's why I started covering them in person. But I had I had been to games, you know, just as a as a ticket holder prior to that. And I'd obviously written about the league. Uh, before that, but that uh, that was why I started going down there in person. Word, and I, and I'll brag about you since you might want might not want to do the humble brag, but you know you've got a, a great women's soccer specific uh, background in yourself, whether you know your coaching background and working with uh, young players and stuff like that. So uh, you're one of my favorite soccer brains, and I'm really excited uh, to get your perspective on Southside Trap on all this stuff. Thank you. Um, you know, it was funny. I, um, the, the team, the high school team that I coached for years and years and years was in the same conference as Bennett Academy, which is right across the street from Benedictine University. So we had actually played on that field several times um, when I was a coach. And, um, and I actually was friends with the women's coach at Benedictine University. So we'd been there uh, quite a few times before I even went there to cover the Red Stars. So when we like make jokes and crack joking references to the turf monster, you know exactly mm-hmm. what we're talking about. <laughs> no, but this is the funny. Th- so this is the funny thing, because for a high school field, it, we always thought it was the, one of the best fields we played on. Wow. Oh, boy. And, and then you would hear the the pro coaches, whether it was Parsons or Riley, and the way that they would complain about the field and how narrow it was and how bad the turf was and we always thought it was a great field for high school games. So <laughs> it was so funny to, to listen to that being there. There you go. Coaching 101, I guess it's all about your perspective. And you yeah. had, I mean, this is not necessarily relevant to Lyle, but you had, you had experience coaching against Rory, right? Before yep. you started covering. So you knew Rory Dames through his like eclipse empire. From 2000. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We, we coached against each other three times uh, in, in the high school ranks. So uh, we lost twice and won once. Mm. That's not too bad. Decent. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we like to joke, we like to joke a lot, uh, with John cause John is, is definitely in the land part of Chicago land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's up, he's up, uh, he's up pretty close to the Wisconsin border. So Southern Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Lyle is Northwest of the city. Is that correct? Where uh, is South? It's more oh, like it's oh, okay. let's just yeah. say it's oh, okay. West. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So just kind of a straight West. So how did you get there and how long did it take you? It took me actually the exact same amount of time as it takes to get to uh, SeatGeek. Um, so long. And, that long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah hour <laughs> and a half if there's a little bit of traffic. Um, I think I used to take uh, – I used to go down to 53 and then you go down – I can't even remember from there. But, yeah, you go you, – yeah, you go through the west suburbs. So you like didn't have to worry about like because Maggie sort of gave us her intake and how she had to sort of keep track of like metro schedules and then maybe eventually you know they grew a little bit built community and had a carpool and stuff like that but you were able to rely on your transpo to get you from A to B. Yeah, but you know it it did make me I I did actually think about metro a little bit when I was kind of uh, thinking and thinking about the Ben U days because I know that some of the one thirty four fans were able to come out from the city in a way that is 
maybe more difficult to get to SeatGeek for people because yeah, there's I not an L line. I think it's yeah. a little bit of a wash because I do think the Metro can get you out there. But based on what Maggie mm-hmm. was saying, I think you're kind of stuck once you get to the station. So you still have to get help. Yeah, she yeah. mentioned like needing to, to have actual, a taxi cab, right? Calling a cab <laughs> yeah. service, and that was probably pre Uber too, right? Yeah. yeah. So she yeah. had to, yeah. So she had to kind of figure that out, and she was also saying, I mean, I I had this thought too because I remember back in 2015 when I considered going out to a to a Lyle game and being like, oh, it's cool that the Metro goes there. Like this is feasible, even in right. a way that Bridgeview doesn't always feel feasible. But um, yeah, I think it's kind of like six of one half dozen of the other the way it actually kind of shook out because maggie has a horror story of missing the metro and having to wait for two hours for the next one so yeah also not great um okay so we you know we've kind of set the stage for lyle for benedictine we know what you can see on this on the stream i want to talk specifically about the press box though because yeah. In the games, <laughs> in the games that we've in the games that we've watched, uh, every time there's a goal, the broadcast team goes, "Well, it's a little we hard really to see. tell because there's a screen." And then they're like, "They're like, but not a, not like a screen, not like a video screen, like a screen screen." And then I think even in the first game, the first 2013 game, they referenced like some pipes they were trying to look around or something. So tell us about the the Benedictine <laughs> yeah. press box press box. So it was in a. Um... I don't even know how to describe this. You know, it's one of those things where it's like a dichotomy because Ben U is a college and it's a small college, but the stadium is very nice for a small college. It's just not nice for a professional soccer environment. So the, the press box was like a repurposed um, luxury suite, I guess. And so there were windows mm. and you could kind of open the windows you had so you could slide them open and then there'd be a screen or you could leave them shut and then you kind of had to decide when you positioned your bar stool because they didn't <laughs> they had there was like a nice uh, yeah a counter along the windows and then they had these bar stools and then you had to kind of position it in a way that you could lean to the left or the right to see around the they weren't pillars i don't know what you'd call them just like dividers in the windows yeah and so yeah you could definitely get caught in a moment where something happened in your pillar <laughs> viewpoint and so your view you, your view was sometimes obstructed yes and it's you know listen we we've all been to seat geek like there's a giant concrete pillar right yeah yeah it you happens. get stuck yeah. in the wrong we seat, feel very like, strongly about the seats that we sit in, <laughs> in that yes we do <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so Benedictine had these as well. They were just smaller in wood. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, I don't even know if we want to get into this too much, but, you know, going back and and looking at Benedictine and just making, having the feeling that it's in a completely other universe Mm -hmm. in the last however many years, um, of, of Chicago's history, but the, it just goes to show again how if it was a different kind of team and a different kind of market, they'd still they would have still been there until yep. last year. We have teams. Yep. We still have a team playing on a baseball field. Sky Blue only left your sack after the 2019 season. Like, right? It's, it, we're so in a way you feel like wow, Chicago. It's so lucky for that fan base to look back on that and say, oh God, you know, glad we're not doing yeah. that anymore but that is a similar situation i think to what a lot of people were still dealing with until relatively recently absolutely um 
And like I said, Ben U for, for a small college is a very nice environment, but you're right. And that was really, I think, you know, Arnhem and uh, Elise LeHue kind of at the end of 2015. We, I think the, the Dash game in maybe September was at SeatGeek or what was then, now I'm losing track, Toyota, Toyota. Park. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the semifinal game against Kansas City right. in, in 2015 was there mm-hmm. too. Right. Um, okay. So speaking of actually, this is a similar thought, which is that um, – multiple players over the years have said that the nicest thing for them, one of the nicest things for them about that switch to Toyota park is that they get to play on grass. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the, we were talking about the turf monster a little bit. There are teams. I mean, obviously you had Seattle still playing at Memorial for a long time. They had a very specific playing surface that sometimes quite honestly, they kind of used to their advantage. Um, Do you think that part of the reason Chicago had this, uh, reputation for being like so direct, so vertical um, in the early days. I mean, part of that had to probably do with personnel, but do you think yeah. that from your experience, do you think that services like that can influence the way you decide to play those games? I, they absolutely do. And you know, the, this is another one of those things that I think is a dichotomy because a turf surface, when the ball is on the ground, favors a more technical team because you're in a tighter space. And so you have to control your touches better. You have less space to make your passes. Your, your teammates have to be more um, aware of getting into open space. But at the same time, a lot of the game, the ball is not on the surface, bouncing. And when it bounces, it bounces higher than it does on grass, which means it takes longer to get down to the ground, which means the bodies all come together much quicker. And, it, and that's part of what causes that space to get so much tighter. So it does affect the game and make it a more physical game. I mean, I, I, I listened to the, the first episode and a half that you guys have already done in this series, and you guys have mentioned some of the fouls. And just watching this Houston game, like some of those yeah. fouls are yeah. Pretty horrific. Rough. Yeah, they're really And you're, yeah. you're watching these people get just laid out and, yeah. and hammered because you have no time or space to do anything when you try to take a ball down um, off one of these bounces. So it – I think it, but I do think it's a combination. I think it's both the surface and the fact that in those early years, especially before Kristen Press arrived, right. Chicago didn't have stars. And so right. they had to kind of try to grind out results. Yeah. You know, what I liked about the two games that we chose for this episode in particular was, you know, that first dash game that happened in early May with that three-hour delay. And then we fast forward to this Boston Breakers game in August, and we both felt that there was a significant difference in their type of soccer that we were watching. And we felt like a big part of it had to do with the fact that some of these internationals and bigger star-like type players finally found themselves, like, folded into the team. So in your opinion, like in these two games in particular – in terms of the soccer and in being played at Lyle, taking that first game against a dash and then taking that game against the breakers, is it just all more, was it just more of the same or did you maybe see a difference in either of these two games? What I really enjoyed was seeing just some of those pillars of what we knew the team was going to become. Right. Yep. You know, Julie Johnston, those yep. early days, yep. Vanessa Bernardo in those early days. Um, and although they, they aren't still with the team, uh, watching Jen Hoy play again and yeah. watching her play at her peak was so fun. Um, 
you know, I didn't, I didn't watch Jen Hoy play a lot when she went to, to sky blue after she left Chicago. And I know she didn't get a lot of playing time, but that 2014 Jen Hoy, I, I believe would start on the 2020 red stars. Um, she yeah. was playing that well yeah. at that time. And, um, and then the other one I mentioned to you guys before we started, Jackie uh, Santa Carina was unbelievable yeah. playing that number six role. Sam Johnson, who had just broken into the team and obviously yeah. would be a pillar uh, of the team in the years to come. It was just fun to kind of see that those pieces there um, right at the beginning of when that was all starting to develop, when the, the team that we know as the Red Stars, those first building blocks were being put in place. Yeah, it, it, def yeah, it definitely felt like, and, and you could hear, we talked about this a little bit before, like you could hear even Arnhem, on the on the stream for the dash game like he would just kept listing names you could tell i mean that's obviously it's something that even just like an owner would be stoked on no matter what like he was like abby ursag emily van eggman mm -hmm. bringing Kristen press it like he could just list off all of these people right. um and and it definitely it, right like you said chicago didn't didn't have that many stars to start out but the change that happened was that they, they were ambitious in, in that second year and in that third year and um, obviously very smart drafting, but also they like went out and got some people that they needed, yeah. um, which is not always a thing that they have a reputation for doing. Did we ever figure out, because Arnim mentioned a player X that he couldn't He did, mention. and I, no, I went back, I went back, I, I okay. need to ask him, because I think maybe yeah. what happened, here's my, here's my suspicion, my suspicion is that he thought he was teasing a player, but I think maybe he accidentally already said her name. I, I oh, feel okay. like it might have been Urseg, but I'm not sure he yeah. realized that he had already said okay. Abby Urseg. Because no, I went okay. back and and no, there's no other. There's player. no other. <laughs> no, no. Maybe player something fell X. through. Yeah, right. Oh man, um, we'll never know. You know, can I just say though, as as odd as it would be today to listen to an owner doing an announcement for their own team. It was nice to have home announcers that at least knew the team. We we watch yeah. these Yahoo broadcasts and these Go90 broadcasts and these these people, you know, other than, you know, when it's somebody we know, you know, if Jen Cooper's on the broadcast, it's right. one thing, or if Jordan Angeli's doing it or, or Dan's doing it. But, man, some of these guys on Go90 and, and Yahoo, they don't know the players' names. They, right. they, they're making basic mistakes. And to just hear – Janet Rayfield and Arnhem talk about the players. They knew the players. Uh, that was nice. It was just enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, someone having someone like Rayfield on, especially like it just made sense. There was a game that Ella Masser was playing in. It was a game, mm -hmm. you know, it had Di Bernardo and mm -hmm. just having someone, you know, we always talk about how Rory is well suited for this job because he's so entrenched in the soccer community here having broadcasters who have that similar background it's just it's just kind of the same thing where it's like the things yep. that they have to say are interesting in a different way and it's also just different for a person to be talking about a player that they've watched more than like the moment they're watching them right, right now so they're 100%. like yes I understand the way that they move I understand why that happened and that sort of thing so um yeah, having Rayfield be able to to <laughs> to do color on that one foul that Master did on Di Bernardo was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. It was cool to see her do it because it was she runs everything at University of Illinois, and it right. was like this rare moment of 
Illini on Illini violence and her give her perspective on it was pretty funny. But she's been a delight to listen to. Yeah. On this on this rewatch. Um and I know we're talking about a number of players in this era. Uh but I do want to bring up Amy LaPelbe because I know John, you had mentioned this player yeah. in particular. And we <laughs> yeah. and honestly in the games and just sort of because of like her course and her journey within the Red Stars, we haven't been able to really right. highlight her at all. So this we I think all agree that this would be a good moment to be able to do that. Yeah, I can't believe you guys didn't get Maggie to tell this story. I just, I know, we, hey, man. Uh, we've just been doing a lot of content, John. <laughs> we're just cranking it out, man. Yeah. So right right after I started covering the team, one of the first stories I wanted to do was a story on 134. And so I talked to the press people, and I arranged to spend a whole game day with them, from the pregame to going into the stadium, sitting with them. Um, and then I, the, the next week I did the same thing. I went down to AJ Hudson's and watched the game at the bar with the team, talked to a whole bunch of the kind of the original members. Um, but we're sitting there and they're playing Kansas city the week that I'm with them at the home game. And <laughs> screams at lapelbit during a stoppage loud enough that she obviously heard and said, uh, you know, what's your problem with Chicago not good enough for you? <laughs> and, and like oh my 30 God. seconds later, LaPelbit scored the equalizer. Oh, no. Fantastic. <laughs> it was just Delicious. such a great moment. That's funny. Um, well, I mean, that's yeah. like, that's, that is the Benedictine thing. And we talked to Maggie about that a lot where it's like, it would be like sitting next to a professional soccer player at a theater. Like that's yeah. how close you were. It was like you could <laughs> lean over and whisper in their ear. What wasn't? And then they could flip you off. You? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah, <laughs> truly taking story. in. Yeah. Um, so I want to so hear, good. yeah, John. What what memories do you have? You said you got some some stories. You mentioned, I think you mentioned Aaron Gilliland, a good yeah. story. Yeah. So my first year covering the team in person, I you know I wish I could say that I was up on University of Kentucky prospects and knew who Gilliland was before she came to Chicago, but obviously I didn't. And um, there, there used to be a reporter for the women's world football show named Alana Johnson. And I haven't, I don't think I've seen her at a game since, but we're, we're just sitting there in the press box and it was, I think it might've been Gilliland's first game, or at least it was, she was coming into the game and I, I think I must have had made a comment to her earlier in the game, something about how Chicago needed more speed on the outside. And Gilly came into the game and Alana just turned to me and she said, you're going to see some speed now. <laughs> and that was the first time I ever watched Aaron Gilliland play. And yeah. um, that was just a fond memory. And um, it kind of ties into the question you guys were asking about the press box too, because back then if you wanted, when the game ended, they would bring the coach and a player up to the press box. Oh, and they would do the cool. interviews right there. Um, but if you wanted a one-on-one, -on -one, you had to go out onto, like, the balcony, um, this kind of narrow hallway outside <laughs> the privacy. And that's where Alana did her 1v1 with Gilly oh, wow. after the game was up on this balcony. Oh, my. Yeah. Dang. So the content was life or death yeah. back then. <laughs> In Benedictine. Well, it's not as bad as, as the Portland catwalk, but yeah. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, John, yeah. So, oh no, go ahead, Sandra. I was just going to say, like, I, I know because we want to keep things in like a timely manner, but I kind of pose like a, this, 
what I'm going to ask you, like in a similar way to, to Maggie, just to sort of tie all this together, uh, because the Red Stars made their official move into Bridgeview for 2016, mm-hmm. right? And we hear so like often, we knew with that move, what that would mean for, you know, the pro athletes that are on the team. So obviously it's a, it's a soccer specific facility in Chicagoland area. And it meant an upgrade in basically everything for the players. So when Maggie was on for her portion, I had asked her what that sort of meant and how that influenced the supporter aspect of that thing. So for you, I want to ask you like how you think that's impacted or affected us for the media side of things in terms of producing content? Well, obviously I think that what our at least access level today is so much better. You know, we get an opportunity to at least try to ask every player on, on each team a question. Um, so obviously in that regard, it's, it's much better than it used to be. Um, it's still, it's very familiar in terms of intimacy, you know, back in, back in those days there, you know, on any given day be maybe six to eight, reporters there at the game it's it's probably slightly less now I don't know what you guys would say is average maybe six or five yeah yeah I mean there's kind of there's kind of that extra bubble that kind of rotates of you know three or four people depending on which day so I'd say in that regard it's it's about the same but um yeah I I mean you definitely get an opportunity to talk to more people which which uh, obviously is something we appreciate is there anything that you miss about Benedictine you know I do miss the intimacy of the environment and I it was funny because I made a comment about this a while back on Twitter and Paul Riley got upset Um, (laughs) but I I had said that right after the 2015 World Cup that I missed how packed and how loud Benedictine felt because the grandstand at Benedictine only seats about 2,500 people Mm-hmm. And with, you know, the bleachers that they would bring in for 134 and the field seating and the, you know, and the, they, they had a pavilion, they'd maybe put 3000 people in, but it was so loud when it was packed and you could put 3000 people in Toyota and it, you know, it's just, it's totally empty. Right. Um, so I do miss that intimacy. That was, that was fun and loud and energetic and, there was, there was a real excitement to be at those games when they would sell out. That makes sense to me, actually, because I remember, I distinctly remember one of Washington's last games at the Plex last year, where it was sold out to the brim Mm -hmm. completely. It was the game against North Carolina where Washington came back. And I remember when they scored that equalizer, I think it was Rose Lavelle, and the camera rocked like the Mm -hmm. place (laughs) exploded and that makes sense to me when you have a capacity that's a little bit smaller i think for the plex it's like five thousand or something Um, right it does it just feels like every voice counts just like a little bit more yep and i think like i think if you were to ask arnhem he'd probably say an ideal venue would maybe be 8,000 or something like that because SeatGeek's too big. Right. And even like what North Carolina has seems like a kind of a platonic ideal of there's room, but it still feels, it's a little bit lower. It's a little bit closer. Um, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. 
I will tell you, I don't miss looking into the sun to try to watch the game because yeah. the press box faced west and the games all kicked off at sunset. Oh, man. And you had to decide whether you were going to try to watch the game looking into the sun or watch it on your computer. <laughs> and the man. YouTube streams back then were not good. And there were some times that the CRS staff would tell us to turn off the stream because it was killing the broadcast to the entire country. Yes. <laughs> we were taking up too much bandwidth. Taking up so too I much bandwidth. <laughs> Man. John. <laughs> Technical wow. issues, but it was just John. What a time. To download a song to his on job. <laughs> I would like to bring back the KK cam. Did you guys see that? During yeah. That? Yes. Well, and they did it at halftime. They did all the really cool local content yeah. at halftime. Oh, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Really, really good. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed the uh, throwback Supernova. Yeah. The right. Supernova does not look like that anymore. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I appreciated it. And John, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, we should mention. So John, John is the king and purveyor of the newly back up and running NWSL News. All hail NWSL News. I don't know if we've actually ever made this announcement yet. We are part of that network. It doesn't, you know, if you're listening and you're like, oh God, another change. It's not a change at all. It's just that uh, John is being very cool and supportive of a lot of content creators and essentially is lending that platform to people to um, promote their work. And so we're doing that through NWSL News. Um, and <laughs> that got us a shout out from Lori Kolipney's stepmom. So, <laughs> so that was that's, fun. That's the value that John brings to the table. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what we gain here at Southside Tribe Podcast uh-huh. when we partnered up with John. Stepmoms show us love and we that's appreciate right. that. Yeah. We're, I'm excited about it. I think it's a, it's important, you know, it's like the landscape of women's soccer media sort of, you know, evolves and changes and we're, Certainly we're a big right part of that more than ever. Yeah. Right? We were a big part of that. Yeah. I think in the off season and sort of launching what we launched mm-hmm. uh, with our Southside trap, sort of running our own independent thing here and launching a Patreon, eventually building a website. And uh, even now more so like you mentioned with everything going on in the world with, with COVID-19 and how sports and everything in general is just changing uh, day right. by day. Everyone's uh, having so, to pivot very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. So being able to have a place like NWS Unos and then not just have that place, but have somebody like John, who's now behind that, who has so much experience in doing that and uh, is wise enough to have reached out to so many of us, uh, people who are similar and like-minded like us in terms of their you know, content creators that are out there and operating more independently to kind of uh, bring us all together and help produce yeah. uh, lots of different content for this uh, NWSL news uh, site. So we appreciate it. And we're really excited to be part of your uh, podcast network. I can't wait to uh, really get things kicked off. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to have you guys. You guys are obviously very close uh, friends. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking right before we came on, I think the last time I saw you guys in person was at the final. At yes. That's insane. Two- Two thirty in the morning in downtown Raleigh. Yeah, we kept bugging, we kept bugging John to come down to the city to hang out with us, and then now the city is canceled. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) John, if not NWSL News, where can the people find you and uh, engage with you and your work? Uh, You know, obviously, Equalizer is one of the places I put out a lot of content. Uh, Also, American Soccer Now, and uh, I'm on Twitter at John D Halloran. Follow our our boy, friend, homie, and colleague, John. John D Halloran. Tweet at John. <laughs> everybody, hope you enjoyed this segment. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode today. We hope you are enjoying this uh, Days of Red Stars past 
series. Uh, please keep up with us. Join along with us. We're going to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Keep things moving here. We're going to have some more episodes for you guys. We're going to get into some FC Kansas City games. Uh, we've been talking about it, guys. Claire and I are Chris Press respecters, so we're probably going to be getting into some more Chris <laughs> well, yeah, Press games. I think we're going to do a press episode. Yeah. You can't. You can't talk about. You can't talk about some of the stuff that happened uh, without talking about uh, Chris Press. So we're going to be talking about the eras of 2015, 20, you know, 16, 17. Yeah, uh, that's going to be fun stuff. But and I like this. We like to talk about these games and yeah. get other guests. Yeah. And then we're going to torture ourselves and we're going to watch all four semifinals. <laughs> all, we want to talk about all this good stuff, guys, because. Do not test oh, us. Oh man, we, are, I don't know if we I can. love some pain. <laughs> oh god, the twenty. I had never rewatched the twenty sixteen semifinal. Yeah, we'll just though that's much further down the line. But yeah, we want to start we'll talking there. about that now. Yeah, so that you all can also or sort of mentally prepare emotionally prepared. I know. For, you know, like just get in the right frame of mind yeah. uh, to do that. You know, because we want to challenge ourselves during this time. And we said, you know what? We're going to be talking about a lot of good stuff. We're going to be talking about some fun memories here on this days of Red Stars past mm-hmm. rewatch. But we need to challenge ourselves and go through those semifinals, guys. It's something that we all went through together. We should probably really try to document that on the podcast again as well. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, shout out to our guests. Uh, I appreciate them taking the time to be with us and give us their insight. Uh, make sure you follow and connect with them as you see fit. Claire, if the people want to follow and connect with you as they see fit, where do they find you? Uh, yeah. Um, you just follow me on Twitter at Scout Ripley. And yeah, we're, I don't know. We're doing stuff. Yeah, we're doing stuff. We're all just trying our best, guys. Yeah. yeah. You can find me trying my best also on Twitter at Sandereda underscore. That's H-E-R-R-E-R-A underscore. Uh, But, you know, if you're not uh, really trying to follow any of our guests or either of us personally on Twitter, you should definitely continue your support of the Southside Trap podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. And you can do that primarily by following us and supporting our Patreon. Supporting our Patreon and subscribing to our content um, really helps us out in producing the Red Stars content that we enjoy producing for everyone out there. So go ahead and, uh, you know, maybe find the time, find a tier that works for you. Uh, if you're just here to follow along with the podcast, that's cool too. We love and respect you for that. You can find us on Anchor now. You can find us on Spotify and iTunes. So go ahead and give us a find, like, uh, subscribe. Make sure you maybe leave us a nice rating, a nice review. That stuff also helps us out tremendously when we're trying to produce Red Stars content for you. Everybody, uh, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, wash everything, and uh, we'll be back with you soon.